Hey. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking to you. Don't look away from me. I'm talking to you. Have you subscribed to the podcast yet? You haven't. Well, what are you doing? It's a bit rude, to be honest, don't you think? It's really easy. All you have to do is head on over to downunderdiariespodcast.com, scroll on down to the bottom, and subscribe. But you can also go and follow the podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. Believe me, it makes a difference. So if you do, thank you so much. And if you haven't, well, I just think that's a bit rude to be. Can someone get this one off? Like, I just think this is a bit... Welcome to the Down Under Diaries, a podcast for the keen traveller or mover. Joined by me, Rosa, a teeny tiny Brit living here in Melbourne. Together on this podcast, we will chat about what life is like abroad, past challenges I faced and how you can overcome them, but also present struggles I'm currently dealing with and what we can do together to feel safe and excited about our journeys ahead. Like a diary, opportunities and difficulties unfold for me on a daily basis. So join me in figuring them out. Welcome back to the podcast. Oh, thank you so much for joining. Let me let you in. I'll sit, sit yourself down. I'll make you a cup of tea. Would you like, I made, I made some cakes. Would you like a cake? Oh, I'll put some on the table. You sit yourself down. Take your time. I'll take the coat off for you. How are you? I hope you've had a great week. I hope it's been productive. And even if it hasn't, who cares? Welcome, because we are on to episode nine. Now, today is a beefy episode. There's going to be lots of information for you today and hopefully it's going to be super, super helpful for you if you are about to embark on your travels in Australia or if you are currently here and you just need an extra little bit of assistance in figuring out what your year is going to look like because today we're going to talk visas. Now we're only going to go into one in particular That is the Working Holiday 417 visa. So I'm going to give you the 411 on the 417. (laughs) I don't know what that was. Okay, so the reason why I'm doing this episode today is pretty self-explanatory. Because at the end of the day, you can't come to Australia without a visa. Unless you're very lucky. If you're from New Zealand, then you can just come on over to Australia. You're so lucky. I hate you. But if you're from any other country at this very moment in time, you have to have a visa. And the most common one that a lot of us, especially Brits, are coming over on at the moment is the Working Holiday 417. So without further ado, let me introduce you to the visa. Everything that it encompasses, what you need to be most aware of, some real life experiences and the pros and cons. So you can make the most informed decision about how you are going to come over to Australia and how you're going to experience life here. As my quick disclosure, all of the information today has come from valid sources. That means it's come from government website, immigration offices or from officers or just working holiday visa holders with real life examples to show exactly how they are living their life right now. Nothing is made up out of thin air today. It's all facts. Pure, straight facts. Anyway. So the Working Holiday 417 visa is basically seen as an extended holiday. I don't know if you have ever gone to any other country and you've had the very short-term tourist visa and towards the end of the holiday, whilst you've loved it, you're sad that you have to go back to the reality of life and you've also run out of all of your money. Well, good news is that this visa is here to help you access 
all the different forms of living in Australia, which means you can work, travel and study for a limited amount of time. This is perfect, an all-rounder experience. If you are trying to figure out maybe whether life abroad is for you, but you're unsure of whether you would want it to see on a I guess, longer term basis, you have that option to just try everything. This is also perfect for people like me, where if you're planning a trip and you see everything that you want to do, but you're like, fuck, like I can't fit it all in the time frame that I've got, or you don't have enough money to do everything, then this is perfect because you'll have 12 months to do so much traveling and you'll get to see so much of Australia at that point. Remember, Australia is huge. It's nearly the same size as, I think, all the countries in Europe. That's, that's pretty huge. There's a lot to see here, which gives you so much time to do that in. Now, I'm not talking about the 462 visa. That is the work and holiday. I know it sounds a bit confusing, but I would recommend just going over onto the government website to see the differences between them both. I am only specifically talking about the 417 working holiday. Now, the most common way that people do this is pretty much coming on over, getting a job, earning some money, and then using that money to then travel around wherever they want to go in Australia. So that's the most common way that people use this one. And again, it's so good. It's a cheap visa. It gives you 12 months here. However, if you get to the end of the 12 months and you're like, oh, I'm still not done. Like, I'm still not done. I love it here. I need more time. Well, good freaking news. Because on this specific visa, you have access to another two more years if you decide to stay. So the working holiday is split into three years. You've got year one, year two, and year three, which again, if you do the maths, it means that you've got on the same visa up to three years in this country, which I just think is an amazing deal. Like if you don't want to commit to work or a career progression at the moment, and you simply just want to work and travel, perfect deal, take it on straight away. The only thing that I will mention, and we're going to talk a lot about this in today's episode, is that you cannot apply for year two or year three without doing something very specific on this visa. And you may have heard this before, you may have heard other people doing this, that is 88 days of specified work. Again, some quick maths will tell you that this is around about three months of work that you need to dedicate to your visa in order to stay in Australia. So if you come over here on year one and you realize, actually, I'm only going to be here for a year and I don't want to stay any longer, then great. You can just go on home. You don't need to worry about doing 88 days. You don't need to do farm or hospitality or any kind of specified work. You can just work here. You can just travel and then you can go home. If you think that you might want to stay just a little bit longer, or if you end up loving it here, then just consider making the specified work a part of your plan when you come on over, because then you have the option to apply for your second or third year on the working holiday and you can extend your stay. You cannot apply for those subsequent visas without doing the three months or 88 days of specified work just so you know. 
So what is the 88 days of specified work? Well, this leads nicely into introducing our first guest, our first ever guest on the podcast, and he is called Mark Glasbrook. Now, Mark is the CEO of an immigration company located in Adelaide called Migration Solutions. So he has over 20 years experience in the migration profession, and he's worked with a lot of different cases and a lot of different people on ways that they are going to immigrate to this country. Now, recently, I spoke to him on the working holiday visa in particular, and Mark will be joining multiple parts of today's episode, so stay tuned to hear more from him. We asked him, what exactly is the specified work? Wanting to qualify for that second backpacker visa or third backpacker visa, you need to go out and work on the harvest trail. So you're working on a farm or you might be a jackaroo or a jillaroo. I think that'd be probably the coolest thing to do. Go mustering sheep and cattle in the middle of Australia would be pretty awesome. Other people work in construction or work in oyster farms or on tuna farms. So there's a whole range of things that uh, qualify for that next working holiday visa. I do want to add on here that recently they changed the rules and hospitality jobs, including the ones in the tourism sector, now count towards your 88 days of work. So working as a hotel receptionist, a bar worker or cafe job, barista, they all count towards your 88 days, so long as it is in a specific remote or very remote part of Australia. That includes the entirety of Northern Territory, I do believe. But I do want to highlight this because I think you should go on the government website and have a look at the whole list of jobs that now count towards this visa. You can be a diving instructor and that will count towards your 88 days. Imagine qualifying for your diving license and then going and taking people on the Great Barrier Reef every single day. Imagine how cool that would be. I think before you come over, get your diamond qualification, come on over here. What a way to spend your time and then validate yourself towards the second year. That's so freaking cool. So with that in mind, maybe choose something that you're low-key interested in doing or something that you've never tried before. Do something in this time that will benefit you. Maybe you'll learn something from this experience. So the 88 days are worth your time. But definitely don't do this last minute. Take your time, research different places that you could work or learn, and then choose which place is going to fit your lifestyle and your interests most. Don't leave it last minute. And the reasons will relate to a lot of factors coming up in today's episode. Now, whilst I would love to give you my own personal first-hand experience of what the specified work was like, I actually can't give that to you, sorry, because I didn't end up doing that. In fact, at the end of the first 12 months on my working holiday visa, I switched to a student visa, which means now I work and study here in Melbourne. And it fits my lifestyle perfectly with the way that I work and the way that I live. That also means that if you get to the end of your 12 months and you kind of want to stay here longer, but you need something a bit more, maybe longer term, student visa is also an option. But we're not going to talk about that today. With that being said, however, I do have an extra two guests to be introducing on today's podcast episode. They are currently two 
working holiday visa holders that have both just completed the 88 days of specified work, which means you are going to get first-hand experiences of what these two visa holders decided to do whilst they lived here in Australia. And they are also two of my most wonderful friends that are very happy to share their experiences with you. This is guest number one. This is Tuesday. Now, Tuesday comes from the same county as me in the UK. However, we did not meet each other until very far out of the UK here in Australia. Tuesday recently completed her 88 days of work in Tasmania and in the centre of Australia. I started working as a pack shed supervisor. So my role is to make sure that I do quality checks on the raspberries and strawberries that run down the conveyor belt that the girls have packed. Um, So I check whether they have any skin damage, any dehydration, um, and then I pallet them depending on the numbers and everything that we need. I started on the 2nd and my last day will be the 1st of March and I will have completed my 88 days then which is fantastic. The hours are really long, really long hours. So recently I've been doing nearly 13, 14 hour shifts sometimes. So coming in at 5.30, 6 a.m. and not leaving until around the same time, 12, 13 hours later. Overall, the company is fantastic. So I'm actually with a company that will, I'm like an on agency. So I choose where I want to go through the company that I'm employed by, which is called Left Field. I don't really necessarily have any major qualms or anything with the company that I'm with at the moment. A few niggles, but that's to be expected. You know, everyone doesn't have to get on with everybody. Apart from the long hours, it's not really that much of an issue for me. And guest number two is Morgan. Morgan did their work very early on into their year here in Australia and they decided to write to me rather than audio message, which means I will be reading their experience of what they messaged to me. So I moved to Melbourne to Early Beach in Queensland to complete my 88 days farm work. But I was planning on doing hospitality work as it was introduced in 2021 that you could work in rural parts of Australia and hospitality would count towards applying for a second year visa. I had a friend up there before I moved up. So it was nice knowing at least one person there. I booked into a hostel and stayed in two hostels during my time. I never looked for a room in a shared house. I just accepted the fact that I'd be living in a hostel. I had applied for some jobs before I had left Melbourne, but I didn't have a job sorted before I arrived. When I first arrived, it was sunny and warm. So I spent the first few days enjoying the weather before I was like, I need a job. I got an email for a recruitment company to work on one of the islands and was due to start working there the beginning of my second week in early. But the person I was dealing with kept pushing out the start date. So by the time I actually started working there, I was into my third week in early. Because she kept pushing out my start date, I sent my resume to one of the restaurants in early and ended up getting a trial shift and got offered the job in the restaurant then and there. I did one day on the island to see what it was like and I absolutely hated it. So stuck to the restaurant job and I was so happy that I did that. I either worked as a runner, so running food and drinks, or I was behind the bar as a bartender or upstairs in the restaurant as a server. I worked in one of the busiest restaurants in Early as it was along the marina and had stunning views, especially when it came to sunsets. They were amazing. 
Honestly, the first few weeks I was in Ely, I didn't like it as it was a small town. But once I accepted that, I really started to enjoy myself more and more. I actually went to the lagoon or the beach before work and on my days off. So it was a very chill time. I worked in hospitality before, so I didn't mind the work and was pretty easy as the team working in the restaurant was so good and got on with everybody. Now, I will obviously stress that that was just two very specific examples of what you could end up doing whilst here in Australia. There is such a, I can't even say this word, plethora, plethora, plethora of jobs here that you could choose from. And please do find something that you might be low-key interested in or something maybe that you've never done before and you might be surprised at how much you love it. You have no idea about what you could end up doing. And I think it's great work, especially maybe flood relief as well if there's any natural disasters you'll feel like you're really contributing back to this country and helping people through a really hard time which just makes your experience so much better I guess Now, you might have already started to realize that a lot of jobs that have been described are very high in, I guess, physical and mental labor, very similar to any kind of farm work or hospitality that you may have done before. And it's something that was definitely stressed with both guests. I'm walking around a lot. I do at least 20,000 steps most days. Um, I fit 30,000 on a few occasions. So, you know, it's a very, it's physically demanding. and draining as well it's not so much mentally for me mentally draining it's just I just get tired very easily with that being said though both Morgan and Tuesday stressed at how much they loved their time away and how much they loved the specified work oh it is so worth it absolutely 100% worth it I've recently quit the job at the farm that I was working in and decided to travel around Tasmania in my little car and sleep in the car. It was it was a it was a challenge to be it was it was ridiculous. But I'm so glad that I did it. Yes, it'll be hard, but the rewards that you get for doing it, I get another year here now. My visa's been granted. And I'm gonna celebrate with my friends in the Gold Coast and it's gonna be beautiful. And I can't wait to spend another year here and travel and I fucking hope I don't have to do six months, but for the people that have done it, I applaud you because, my God, it's, it can be very stressful, especially in a place where you're not valued. After you've done it, just the, the feeling and the freedom of going, oh, that's over and done with. I'm now going to spend the X amount of money that I got from this job going and doing what I want to do with the people that I love or myself because I love myself too. Morgan said that they had such a good experience from it and they made friends for life. They were able to do all the touristy things in Airlie like the scenic flight, skydive, day trips to the islands and overnight stay in a boat. They said they would definitely recommend doing the hospital work as opposed to the farm work. So maybe if you are used to cafe jobs, maybe try out the hospitality work as you may be used to it on your current job right now. Okay, so I hope that's given you a lot more information about the visa and having those experiences in your mind now just gives you a better idea of what you could end up doing. But I didn't want to end the podcast episode there. In fact, I guess we barely scraped the surface of the visa in general. We're going to bring back Mark Glasbrook. Now, during our conversation, we spoke a lot about what to do when things go wrong. Because let's face it, and I've spoken about this before on a different episode, 
Travel can feel like a honeymoon experience and we can definitely forget or be blinded by things going wrong. And I guess I do want to bring awareness to this. I don't necessarily want to scaremonger you. It's just important that you have this information so you can make those informed decisions, but also avoid situations that really you just don't want to get into when you are traveling abroad, especially when it relates to the visa and this 88 days of specified work. First awareness point that we're going to go over is getting the job in the first place and finding a job that is going to be suitable for you. It's also going to relate to the way that you're going to find accommodation with this job. As many places when you apply will have or may have accommodation included. This is something you need to be aware of and Mark talks about this in detail. There's certainly jobs around I do a lot of work in well, with a whole range of industry sectors through the Global Adelaide Network and horticulture, agriculture, food processing, food manufacturing, hospitality, tourism. There's just an endless abundance of jobs that can't be met from the local labour market in South Australia. I'm not too sure whether that's the same in other areas. It's probably just a matter of knowing where to look, where to look for the best accommodation, where to look for the best job opportunities. The government does have a number of websites. The Harvest Trail is one of those that lists job vacancies. Um, I, I remember speaking to Ausbeg a little while ago. That's the industry association that looks after the horticulture sector. They were doing some work with the National Farmers Federation under a program called Fair Farms, which is looking to get a number of kind of endorsed employers involved with the working holiday visa programs. So people that are wanting to go to a regional area, they do have some sort of knowledge that that farm has satisfied certain criteria as a good employer for anyone, um, especially migrants. It's very, very hard, or newest runs, it's very hard for them to find work because you don't have those connections. You don't have the network. You know, you, you've got to really look out. You hear stories about backpackers that will go and stay in a hostel somewhere and the 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 rooms are terrible and they're not clean mm. and they're getting charged a lot of money it's hard to make a decision on where you're going to stay in a regional area if you've never been there and you don't know now what mark said was very much true in my head when i came over last year i had a plan that i would get a job in a neighboring city to melbourne i would commute there every weekend do four or five hours of work one day a week and that would collate into my 88 days of work and I would validate myself for the second year of the visa. However, I tried to look for those jobs and I was rejected from every single one that I was getting because number one, I didn't live close enough and number two, they just weren't ready to give me the job. They didn't have enough money, they were already short-staffed and they couldn't fund further people, which is why I'm definitely saying don't leave this last minute and give yourself plenty of time to change and rechange your ideas and plans because it will definitely change. The second thing to be aware of when you're applying for jobs, just like most places actually, and you probably already have an awareness of this, but it's bringing this back to the surface when you are traveling, and that is potentially being exploited. Mark details what exploitation could look like when you're here. Exploitation of modern day slavery can happen on a student visa where people are working longer than 20 hours a week, which was the, the um, limit or 40 hours a fortnight prior to COVID. 
or if they're on a employer-sponsored visa, there might be some sort of elaborate scam where the employer is forcing the person to pay back their salary. So essentially they're working for nothing and the employer might say, well, if you don't like that, um, then I'm going to cancel your visa and you're going to get deported. Probably one of the biggest things that we hear about with backpackers is um, exploitation in terms of wages and salaries. They're not getting paid correctly. They're not getting paid overtime or someone might be staying in a backpacker's hostel or in a private accommodation on a farm and the accommodation isn't what it was supposed to be or they're getting charged more money than they agreed to. Our conversation goes on to explain how you can avoid getting exploited in the first place and maybe some red flags that you need to look out for when applying for jobs. Look on look online, do some research, look at reviews, try to go to places that um, where other people have been. So even if you are travelling on your own, there may be larger agricultural or horticultural operations or businesses in regional areas that um, that would be a lot safer than a small out-of-the-way business that no one's really heard of or, or, or if it's off the, off the, you know, miles away from a, a, a city or a, or a regional town. So staying as visible as possible and um, and also knowing knowing your rights and making sure that um, you look out for any red flags. And um, if there are any red flags, don't hope that they'll go away. Please do remember that your rights as a worker are exactly the same as everybody else that works here in Australia, whether they're a citizen or not. So don't think that you are downgraded as a backpacker in terms of your rights and laws and regulations. Everything still relates to you. So if you get yourself into a situation or if you feel like you're being exploited, don't wait around to talk to someone. And last but not least, something that I wish I really didn't have to talk about, but I do, especially for female travellers, and that is staying safe. That means including sexual assault, rape, avoiding situations as best as you can where things could potentially go wrong along this route. Now, Mark explains just a few things about how you can stay safe and avoid these kinds of situations. Being hypervigilant of any situation and, and as, a, as a, a person in Australia on a backpacker visa travelling around just to stay to the more populated areas, I, I guess it's no, um, no different to anywhere you travel at, at any stage. There's good parts of town, there's bad parts of town. It's interesting as well, the the police in Australia are different to the police in other countries. Um, The police here are are here to help. So you can always reach out to the local police station, Fair Work Australia, you've got unions that you can contact in Australia, you might even get in contact with an industry body. Um, There's people like Anti-Slavery Australia, there's a whole range of resources that are available depending on the situation that you're in. Now, Mark is 100% right. And I will add to this as a female traveller, it's something that sometimes you feel in your gut. If there is something that is too good to be true, if it feels wrong, if the way that they have communicated with you is wrong and something just 
feels wrong, then don't take on that job. And I know and I need you to remember, obviously, that this advice has come from a male's perspective. So from a female traveling perspective, it can feel entirely different because we have those firsthand experiences. So all I can say from one female traveler to the next, try your best to pick out those red flags. And when you see them, act. Now, just like Mark said in the previous point, there are people that you can contact if you get yourself into a situation. And the one I will highlight is Fair Work Australia. Now, Fair Work are really easy to contact. So if you have any issues with your current workplace, then you can contact them over on the website, www.fairwork.gov.au, for more information about visa holders and international students. It is in all different languages, so you should be able to access all of this information in your preferred language. You can also contact them on a phone 131394 and if you need a translating service your number would be 131450. And if anything gets really serious and you get into an emergency situation, it is triple zero to contact any emergency service. That is not 999, it is triple zero here in Australia. And remember, none of this information is meant to freak you out. I know it can sound scary, especially with the last parts of this episode, but it's here to get that information known to you. So when you do come over, you feel more confident and safe in your decisions and choices towards jobs, accommodation and meeting people. Just be aware of your surroundings, just like any traveller would. And I guess this leads on to one final point my opinion on this visa. And all I'm going to say is I think that it did not put a foot wrong for me. It was cheap. It got granted quickly. I got over to Australia in no time at all. And I had such an amazing first year here. It is just so good if you are just so unsure about what your future is going to look like in this country. If you really are just here to live one day at a time, do some work, travel around, see a few things, meet some people, maybe study for a few months or so get yourself on this visa. And that just about wraps up everything in this episode. Thank you so much to the guests, Mark, Tuesday and Morgan. And thank you so much for listening. Remember, you cannot use me as the only source of information, which means when I recorded this episode, the information about the working holiday visa might have changed. That means I recommend you to go on over to the government website, stay up to date on the new conditions, the visa, how long it's for, the price of it and everything else that comes with it. There are rumours over the the next few months, few years, that this particular visa might change depending on whether you're from certain countries. So please do stay up to date. And that's it. Thank you so much for listening. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, rate the podcast on Apple, Google and Spotify. Leave me some feedback on the website. And I guess I'll see you next week. Goodbye. Oh, that was lovely.